Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and what a busy end of the week it has been and what a busy week it's likely to be. You're joining me live from my back deck. As you can hear, we have lots of big birds flying past, so excuse their ruckus, but they will pass. Look, I'm going to start by talking about the Brittany Higgins um, rape allegations and the bungling of this by the Morrison government. We did talk about this on Wednesday, uh, on the week on Wednesday, and Van did an amazing job breaking it down. And of course, it's a very emotional topic, and I apologise to anyone who is distressed by this discussion. Please know that there are support services available, and I'd encourage you to access those if you feel the need. Um, what I will say, though, is that since we had that conversation, there has been more and more revelations. Uh, Brittany Higgins has essentially accused the Prime Minister of bungling this whole thing, uh, of taking no responsibility. Uh, it looks as though that someone in the Prime Minister's office was aware of what had happened, which goes directly against what Morrison had told the Parliament. Of course, lying to the Parliament is, in fact, a crime, uh, can be easily corrected. Let's be really clear about that. I'm not suggesting Scott Morrison's about to go to prison. Um, but if you are found to have lied to Parliament and don't correct the record and refuse to correct the record, there are serious ramifications for that. So I imagine there are some uh, strategists and legal experts in the Morrison government right now looking at what they have done and what they haven't done and what they may or may have to may or may not have to do come Monday. But uh, Taking it back to what this is really all about, uh, it now looks as though the uh, alleged rapist, whose name has not been released, uh, and I don't know it, and so won't be might be mentioning it, but it now appears as though there's a second allegation made by a second woman uh, against him. Uh, it appears as though he was given a written reference, two written references for his next job after Parliament. Uh, and is indeed, by all accounts, still someone considered to be part of the Liberal Party. Uh, this is this is outrageous. It flies in the face of all the kind of soft walk, soft talk stuff that was going on from uh, Senator Reynolds and Senator Cash and, and even Morrison last week. It does appear uh, as though Cash uh, was aware of this before it all came out. Uh, and really, fundamentally, what this boils down to now is a question of whether or not ministers have been involved in trying to cover up allegations of a rape, of a sexual assault in the parliament for political purposes. And in doing so, they have hidden that information from the prime minister or, or have the ministers taken this information through whatever channel to the prime minister and his office and have they together, or at his direction, Prime Minister Morrison's direction, decided decided to cover up these allegations of rape and sexual assault. Now, as I understand it, the police are now going to be reopening an investigation. Uh, and of course, this is, this is a horrendous time, a horrendous time in Australian political life. And frankly, I can't imagine what it's like to be a woman at this stage. You know, there are so many victims of sexual violence in this country, men and women, pre predominantly women. And you would think, you would think as you were trying to recover from that trauma to heal those scars, that if anywhere you would be safe in parliament, you would be safe working in the office of a woman, 
a woman who was a minister, a woman who was a minister in the defence portfolio. And of course, we now know that with Scott Morrison as Prime Minister, safety is not something that's afforded to Australian citizens wherever they may be. And that's very sad and very hard to deal with and probably creates a lot of different emotions for people. Anger, despair, sadness, lots of different emotional responses. As I say, if you do require support, please do check out uh, one of the many support services that are available. I think it's important that, that we understand that these things, while we may not have a personal connection to them, can stir up lots of personal emotions and personal experiences. So we'll see what happens this week. My, my bet is that there'll be no repercussions for the ministers. It's interesting to note that not one Liberal minister, not one Liberal minister under Morrison has resigned or been sacked for their behaviour. One national minister did resign, Bridget McKenzie. People will remember resigned over sports rorts. However, still maintained she did nothing wrong, which is entirely uh, outrageous in my view. Uh, but she did resign as a minister. Uh, however, no Liberal minister has resigned or been sacked. And frankly, the list of Liberal ministers who should have resigned and been sacked is so long, it, it's hard to... It, it, you couldn't list them all. McKinley Cash is on there a couple of times already, frankly, um, so it'll be interesting to see if she finally goes. Uh, you've got Angus Taylor, you've got Paul Fletcher, uh, lots of them, lots and lots of them. Uh, Peter Dutton, probably a dozen times over. So let's see. My bet is nothing will happen. They will try and ride this out, uh, and it'll be up to the Australian people. It'll be up to the Australian people to make them responsible and held account for their actions uh, and for the damage that they've done to our democracy, the damage they've done to our sense of our democracy and our sense of safety about our democracy. Anyway, I'm going to move on because there's still a lot to cover. So Facebook shut down the news sites. Facebook shut down the news sites. Uh, this happened on Thursday. It obviously continued on uh, into Friday. Uh, th there's still ramifications for this. This is all about the media bargaining code, which, you know, the problem with this story, the problem with this issue is there are no good guys. You know, Murdoch is a bad guy. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is a bad guy. You know, the, the side here that needs the outcome is actually journalists and, and the Australian people who need good quality independent journalism. And of course, the problem is at the moment, we have to rely on either tech barons like Zuckerberg or rely on, I think he might actually just be a baron now, people like Rupert Murdoch. This is a huge problem, right? It's why the ABC is so important. That's why the MIA, the uh, union that represents journalists, wanted something in the bargaining code that meant money was actually put into funds for journalists. Of course, that's not in the Morrison government's bargaining code. What's in the Morrison government's bargaining code is a transfer of wealth from one bunch of billionaires to another bunch of billionaires in order to keep the bunch of billionaires who are closest to the Morrison government happy. Um, the Morrison government, of course, we know has transferred millions, tens and tens of millions of dollars of taxpayers' money to Rupert Murdoch on flimsy pretenses such as um, putting on women's sport, which it then didn't put on and gave to the ABC, which it made the ABC pay for, all sorts of things. Like it's, I can't get into all that now, we don't have time, but what I would say is that this is a 
terrible situation. Essentially, we have the puppet of one corporate faction trying to help that corporate faction against another corporate faction. And the interests of the people are not really being represented in any way, shape or form. So I know there's people out there going, yeah, Zuckerberg's bad. Yeah, we should have this. And people out there going, yeah, well, Murdoch's bad. We, we you know, I really stand with Facebook. Folks, folks, you're you, you, you're picking between fascist Germany and fascist Italy. Like, you know, these are neither of these sides are good. The, the side of good here is how do we create a situation where quality journalism is funded, that the outlets who make money because of that journalism, whether they make it um, directly as uh, newspapers do uh, or news outlets do, or whether they make it circuitously by collecting people's data who want to access it as Facebook does, how do we value that and how do we make sure that gets funded? And I don't think the media bargaining code is the way. I should also say that Facebook's behavior in this isn't just, hasn't just pinged the Murdoch kind of news outlets and the ABC and, and the outlets it wanted to. It's also gone well beyond that. And I think this was a step too far. And I think they've actually now apologized. It's attacked unions. It's attacked community organizations. It's attacked legal services. It's attacked health services. It has attacked government health departments in a pandemic. You know, people who need support um, to deal with domestic violence suddenly found that they couldn't find that on Facebook. People who have been trained by Facebook to use Facebook to get their information suddenly found that information didn't exist. So please, people, make sure you've got multiple sources of information available to you. Um, Do know uh, some important contact numbers. Do know the websites, uh, the website addresses. Uh, you know, it's important to have some of this information available and hopefully the Facebook issue will be resolved and the actual purpose of supporting quality independent journalism will be brought into focus and some changes can be made that will allow that to happen. Um, I should say as well, the good people of Western Australia go to the polls next week. They start their polling process with postal votes. Uh, It's looking like a landslide for the Mark McGowan Labor government. And you can understand why. He's incredibly popular. His economy, the economy there is going really well. Uh, He's handled the pandemic brilliantly. Apparently in WA, it's like there never was a pandemic. It's the one place on earth um, that appears much as it was in 2019, except they've had economic growth and jobs growth and all the things that we all are hanging out for again, Um, whether it be, you know, shaking hands with someone or a good steady job. um, I think Mark McGowan's managing to cover the gamut. Um, His popularity is something like 89%. So, you know, good luck to WA Labor and Mark McGowan. And hopefully they'll get the rewards of having been a good government. Um, The Liberals are a bit all over the place. The Nationals are looking on the verge of total extinction, uh, as do the Greens and One Nation. So we'll see what happens there. Now, the Morrison government has also announced that it might increase JobSeeker. It might do so by cutting other... um, other supplements and other allowances. It hasn't said what it will do. It hasn't said by how much. This is a typical Morrison empty case announcement. Um, obviously, it gives them a chance to make the announcement again because there's nothing in this one. Uh, and look, we all know. We all know. Unions know. Business groups know. Every person in the community knows. Any person who's ever been on Job Seeker or New Start or the Dole or whatever you want to call it knows that $40 a day, $50 a day is not enough to live on not enough to live on, Uh, and that the real purchasing power for people who are unemployed has gone down steadily uh, since a last ongoing increase. So, of course, it's got to go up. Hopefully, we'll see some real movement on that this week, um, and we'll keep you informed. 
Uh, Morrison has also had his uh, first inoculation against uh, COVID, the first vaccine. Now this, let me say this, let me start by saying, if you can get the vaccine, get the vaccine. Don't, don't dilly-dally, don't oh, wring my hands, get the vaccine. Hundreds of millions of people around the world are getting the vaccine, right? And, and let me tell you, it's working. It's cutting down on the number of people every week diagnosed with COVID. It's making a real difference. And, you know, we're not seeing people's eyes pop out of their heads when they get the vaccine. So the one, I guess, advantage of us being so late in the game is that we can tell you definitively that, that we're not seeing large problems with the rollout of the vaccine and people getting it. So get the vaccine, please get it. Now, having said that, let me say this. Morrison is a turd. It's so ridiculous to go to a photo op in a suit with a button-down shirt with one of Australia's oldest citizens who's seen it all before, right? Like this is a person who has lived a life, seen it all before, probably even had to pose with politicians for photos before, right? They know what they're about. And yet Morrison goes here to have his shot and then gets changed, Right, takes off the suit and puts on some green and gold bloody cricket tour shirt. It might be a rugby tour shirt. I'm not sure. But, you know, he's, he's got the Australia flag mask and the green and gold shirt. And you're looking at this guy getting, getting his vaccination. And you think, I wouldn't want to be trapped on an international trip with this guy. He's about to get us thrown out of the West Indies tour and banned for life. Like, what is this guy about? Right? That is not what you do. You know, I don't see other world leaders draping themselves, you know, in Olympic colours in order to get their vaccinations. This is absolutely ridiculous. It is jingoistic nationalism at its very, very worst. And let me tell you, I was put off. <laughs> I was put off. Maybe there are some people who see that and go, oh, well, I'll get a vaccine. I saw it and went, oh, God, is it, is it? do I really want to live in a world where that's the outcome? Look, as I said before, get the vaccine. I will be getting it. Obviously, I will be getting it. Scott Morrison will not be our Prime Minister forever. Thank God. Hopefully not for much longer. But get the vaccine. And yeah, don't vote for Scott Morrison. You, just, you don't need that kind of... That's not leadership. That's, that's tomfoolery at best. I want to swear here, but I can't. I can't swear. Um, and of course... The, the other side of this is Morrison has abolished the family court. <laughs> Morrison, this week, at the end of the week, abolished the family court. Um, everybody has said this is a bad idea. Every legal organisation, every um, court watcher, like this is just, this is a sop to One Nation. This was something One Nation has wanted for a long time. So it'll be interesting to see what they collect on for this. Um, Labor voted against it and good on them for doing so. Women and children and men should not have to go through the bowels and depths of federal court procedure in order to get divorced, in order to have custody, in order to have arrangements that allow them to move on with their lives when their family relationships have broken down. And certainly to suggest that having the federal court that deals with everything from IR to appeals from magistrates' courts and county courts uh, around significant criminality, dealing with children and dealing with the custody issues related to children in complex family environments, well, it's clearly not the right place. So hopefully a Labor government will reverse that. First, folks, we need to elect a Labor government, so make sure you get onto that when the opportunity arises. Um, and there are two, two things here that, of course, One Nation 
may end up uh, giving to the government as a result of the government giving it the abolition of the family court. The first is the IR bill. We talk about that in some detail in this week's week on Wednesday. But interesting to note that Rex Patrick has now said there is no economic reason for this. There is no economic case for these changes. And frankly, anybody who uh, has half a brain can see that, that he's right. He's absolutely right. R- wages are at record lows. Wages are at record lows. Profits are up. Dividends are up. Bonuses are up. Job security is down. There is, there is no barriers to employment uh, in terms of employing someone as a casual. And we know that because most of the employment that has come back, in inverted commas, has been casual since the pandemic. People have come back as casual and, and part-time. There is some conversion now to full-time, which is good to see, but a lot of full-time jobs were lost and replaced by casuals. So no economic case there. So hopefully he'll hold strong on that, and hopefully One Nation will as well. Hopefully that's not what One Nation are prepared to give away. Hopefully One Nation will not be selling out the millions of Australian workers and their families who rely on decent wages and a secure job and want actually better wages and more job security. So we look, uh, we will have to look at that in the weeks to come. The last thing I want to touch on is changes to superannuation have been put into the parliament as well. And again, this is one of those things where One Nation could give the government a win, could give the government what it wants, and that is to give banks more access to your retirement savings. That's fundamentally what it boils down to. The changes say that you'll join a super fund. The first super fund you join will be the super fund you join forever. Uh, And banks, of course, think of the Dolomites program. Banks, of course, have these distribution programs, these marketing programs that are designed to lock you in early. Uh, And now they'll have the legal framework to do it as well. The government's also proposing comparisons. And you think, oh, that's not too bad, except the comparisons are not apples with apples because they don't take into account things like shareholder payments. Shareholder payments, that's a pretty big one, you might have thought. You know, if one fund is paying some of your money, some of the members' money, some of the returns from your investments to someone else as a dividend, that might have an impact on your retirement. Well, that's just one of the many things that the so-called comparisons are not going to take into account, and therefore it is not apples with apples. Instead, it is good quality, honest, profit-to-member versus retail, bank-owned, shareholder-paying superannuation. And hopefully, One Nation won't. Uh, That's not what One Nation has agreed to give the government in exchange for its changes to the family courts. Hopefully. We'll wait and see. I guess we'll find out very, very soon. All right, that's the weekend wrap. A long one this week, almost 20 minutes. Apologies for that. Hope you get a lot out of it. Join us next week when Van and I will do the week on Wednesday and go through all the big news of the week. This week's episode was one of the largest uh, download episodes we've ever had. Thank you so much for that. Don't forget to share and don't forget to be kind to yourself and each other. Bye.